Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. It's John Clark. I'm a licensed therapist, a group practice owner, and a business coach at Private Practice Workshop, uh, helping you help more people and make more money. And I'm excited to introduce my guest for today. It's Randy Langendorfer. He's uh, the president of Invest Arc Properties, focusing on creating investor value and passive income returns for busy professionals. InvestArc provides an opportunity to partner with experts who are aligned with people's investment goals. He's been in multifamily real estate since uh, 2014. He has a bachelor's degree in accounting, information systems, and an MBA in finance, and is also a CPA. Uh, he currently serves as the chief compliance and audit officer for a large academic medical institution in Houston, Texas. Uh, Randy, thanks so much for being here. I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of how you got into this um, this work and what uh, how your you know your career in, in real estate started. Well, John, thanks. I just uh, really appreciate the opportunity to, to be on your show today sure. and uh, to speak to your listening audience. So uh, really, thanks again. So my journey started, uh, so just way of backdrop, I'm in Houston, Texas today. Um, I'm a lifelong Midwesterner, state of Ohio. I, I, worked, uh, I worked in the healthcare industry for 30 plus years mm-hmm. in a variety of different administrative roles, worked alongside of clinicians, physicians, PhDs, therapists. Uh, my son-in-law is a, a counselor himself in the Seattle oh, market. And so uh, what what my task is is trying to do today is just to make people aware of this this asset class and something as they build income. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully the advantage of trying to say that, uh, so I go backwards a second, my journey started where you started and that brings it forward. My journey started when, I was then living in Cleveland, Ohio, and I was looking for working for the, the one of the two largest healthcare systems there in Cleveland, Ohio, an administrative row. And I changed, uh, and I'd gone to a private equity firm, uh, and uh, was working in a global arena. And that company got sold, and I realized at that time that the income stream I had, that I, I really needed to develop another mm-hmm. alternative income stream. So that I wasn't dependent on just my day job. Yeah. Or as practitioners, you're not dependent just upon right. seeing patients every day. You want to make money when you're sleeping. Yeah. Not just when you're awake and seeing patients. A uh, slight connection issue. I don't know if it's on my end or Randy's, but we're we're hanging in here. While we figure this out, I mean, I, I would just say that it <clears throat> I think passive income is kind of the holy grail for um for therapists and for for business owners in general, especially if you're in a service-based business where you know you only make money when you're in the chair, so to speak. Um, all right, looks like we've lost Randy, but we'll see if we can get him back in here. Um, yeah, one, one of the biggest kind of threats to our business is that we only make money when we're in the chair. And so I think a lot of therapists start thinking about passive income in the form of how do I take my current skill set and make money in my sleep, as Randy said, a lot of times for a therapist, this might mean doing something as simple. Um, all right, Randy's back. Hey, Randy. My humblest of apologies. I think no worries. My end. Um, I, I was just, I was just um, ad libbing a little bit here and saying that uh, passive income is the holy grail for many therapists and in many service-based um, businesses, small businesses, because as you mentioned, the biggest threat to our business is 
it's not scalable and we don't make money unless we're in the chair you know seeing a, a client we have great variability and risk there you know when um you get sick for a week or a month or whatever it is or five clients cancel all at once and for a therapist there's that constant anxiety of you know not making money unless i'm in the chair many therapists hit that glass ceiling though of i can see 20 people a week 25 and then right around there you're hitting that glass ceiling i can up my fees that's about you know the obvious way to make more money um but i think this idea of passive income for therapists often comes back to how do i use my current skill set whether it's um create a course about anger management or maybe i'm subleasing my office for a slight profit and looking at my current assets i have there but i really love this idea of of passive income through uh, through real estate investing and i think a big barrier is that therapists in our case um we and, and many people we just don't know where to start so for those people um how would you you know advise them and on, on where to start so let me let me tell you i just all just to check am i still coming through okay um, it's a little spotty but we're, we're gonna roll with it okay um still not not you looking very to. good yeah um yeah my apologies to folks um watching live just having some some connectivity issues and um yeah i really don't want to waste people's time because the, the reality is like this is this is such a um coveted topic and I'm going to try to fill in a little bit more while we figure out what's going on with Randy. This is such a, 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 a coveted topic. And um, I'll just say from my own personal experience, you know, real estate is something I had wanted to get into for a very long time. And um, I bought my first property uh, a little more than a year ago, something like that. And um, it's a property not where I live. It's on the other side of the country. I live in California. It's, it's on the East Coast. And um, actually just last week, we finally went live with it. It's and and got it on Airbnb. It's a short-term rental, and so, um, and I have a property manager managing that property, um, and doing everything from booking the guests to coordinating the cleaners, um, everything, uh, uh, that that has to do with operationally making that business happen, managing the listing, marketing it, changing the prices, you know, on Airbnb and all that that sort of stuff. And I will say it's um there's many there's many great benefits to it and many good feelings that i've had from finally getting this thing off the ground and seeing bookings come in and not having to lift a finger to make that happen i think another major benefit of of real estate is um when we start generating revenue with this short-term rental with airbnb um and the main expense is obviously the mortgage you cover the mortgage and you have profit. You know, a lot of uh, short-term rental people expect anywhere between could be 10 to 40% return on investment, which is really good. And traditionally um, can be a lot better than um, average stock market returns, mutual funds, things like that. By the way, I'm not a financial advisor by any means. Um, so I'm ad-libbing here without 
Randy. This is just what I've kind of gone through and what I've uh, personally thought about. Uh, but the biggest thing is you're building equity into um, an asset that is appreciating in value. I think this would, you know, this would be the same if think about the rent you pay as a therapist. If every month you're paying twenty five hundred dollars for your rent, and that twenty five hundred dollars you will never see again unless you own the building. If you own the building, you know, and find a way to take out a, a commercial loan, and that twenty five hundred dollars um, that's happening every single month. And then that happens for for 10 years or 20 years or you eventually pay it off and that becomes your pension your retirement maybe you're making 10 15 grand a month from that building or that 2500 that you've paid for rent for the past 10 years you do in fact see that money again down the road when um um yeah you sell you sell that building or you sell it and then trade up i think it's another really interesting option where um, uh, at least currently, if you sell in real estate and then trade up, you don't get taxed on those gains if you use that money to fund another purchase. So this is um, really, I think, how the rich get richer is you start with, I don't know, $150,000 condo and you put down 10%, you know, whatever whatever it's going to be. Um, that's That's 15 grand. And then from there, let's say a few years into it, you know, you've built up some equity you've paid the mortgage for three years or five years or whatever it is, um, that money plus whatever gains you make on the sale um, can be used to go directly into your next purchase. And so you trade up from a condo that's $150,000 to a duplex that's $300,000, right? And again, you haven't been taxed on any of those gains and any of that money. Again, the, the I think that the wealthy of the world they they know that paying too much in tax is a surefire way to never be wealthy and never really generate um, wealth. Um, on the other hand, having a uh, you know having these assets that are are growing, or maybe even say you know you buy that duplex and you're living in one side of it, um, <clears throat> and the rental revenue that you have, the rental income that you have is covering the entire, entire mortgage and your mortgage. Um, repairs that you make are all run through, um, are all coming from that revenue that your tenants are producing. Um, maybe you have an LLC, so the building is owned by the LLC or whatever it is. So anything associated with upkeeping your building is um, that money is happening tax-free. Um, traditionally, you know, and the, 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 the most the people who made the pay the most taxes is uh, our W-2 employment, right? Um, your W-2 employee, you're generally going to pay the most taxes out of anyone because you can't control that, what happens with that paycheck. It's taxed on the way to you, right? There's, uh, in my opinion, very few tax benefits to being a W-2 employee. Um, again, I didn't plan to do this episode by myself, but here I am telling you what I know and just brain dumping you here. So um, yeah, let me know in the comments if it's helpful or what you're thinking, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. This is my current thinking. Again, not a financial advisor. Um, the, the, again, it's, it, there's a couple books that I've read that have really helped. Um, one would be um, Total Money Makeover. Dave Ramsey is a good kind of personal finance book on budgeting, the baby steps, the danger of credit cards, et cetera. He's going to invest. He's going to suggest investing in you know a handful of different types of mutual funds, a very conservative approach to investing, and that's about it. And that's a really good 
book and a good framework and it's a solid and safe bet. Then there's a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad that basically says what I'm saying now, which is that most people, you know, don't really gain wealth or they gain wealth at a really um, very uh, barely incremental degree because they're W-2 employees and, you know, 30% of their paycheck goes to taxes. The rich get richer by, guess what, owning businesses, creating LLCs and investing in real estate and funneling as many of their personal expenses into their LLCs. Again, that example of you buy a duplex, you live in one half of it, the revenue uh, from the other half of the duplex covers your mortgage and you're living rent free all of a sudden and every expense that has to do with that, that building. Um, and on and on, on and on it goes. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to try to answer some of these questions, but again, I was not prepared to do this today and I'm not a financial advisor. I'll say that 17 times today. Um, Frederick um, Turisma, Turisma, um, I'm guessing is, uh, says, should you invest out of town if you're in a competitive market? Um, my opinion is yes. And that's what I've done. I live in San Francisco and I made an investment on the East coast, um, where my money went a lot for farther and there was less competition. There's also less taxes, you know, California is uh, absolutely insane with taxes. And so, um, if I have, a, you know, a property, um, here in California, I'm going to pay a, a very healthy amount of taxes here. And so for me, investing on the East Coast made a lot more sense. Um, Randy, you're back. Hopefully we're... <laughs> wow. Hopefully connection is good. I apologize so profusely. No worries. Um, it must be windy in Texas today. We all live and die by the technology today. <laughs> uh, I can't explain it other than when in doubt, try the old infamous reboot. <laughs> there you go. Basically, what I went through just now is is my own limited experience with real estate. Some books I've read, you know, uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad was one of the first books I read on um, investing and and um, how to gain wealth. Um, and looking at you know buying your first property and trading up. Um, so I have you know one property on the East Coast that um, is a short term rental. It actually just okay. went live on the market last week, and uh, feels incredibly good to be making money with that. Um, without lifting a finger, you know, having a good property manager in place. And I have yeah. plans to also invest in long-term um, uh, rentals, you know, traditional tenants. But um, I, I will say, you know, just from my experience, um, getting started was really hard and really scary. And going through the process of, um, you know, getting a, finding a market, getting approved for a loan, um, getting that loan to the finish line, make, you know, just managing some degree of risk, getting the down payment together. Yeah. That whole piece was really, really hard, but I can already see now how after you get your first one, the second, third, fourth one goes so much easier for both having gone through it. You know, you've worked with the bank, maybe you go through the same lender and, or, you know, you get into this position of potentially trading up and going from a single family unit to a duplex, right? Or a four, four unit or whatever it might be. So maybe that's where I'll pass the conversation back to you um, and see what you think. I'll just give a, a quick on my journey. So kudos to you. I think you're atypical of your, your colleagues. You, you were willing to take the time and energy and fortitude uh, to do that. Uh, most people are just going to throw their money in a mutual fund or yes. uh, talk to a financial advisor. And that's not bad. There's nothing wrong with those. Yeah. Um, in the long term, they can become passive income too. But I said my journey started out doing single family flips. And so I found that that just became very time consuming for me. 
mm-hmm. to find one rental and we were doing flips and then you had to learn the submarket and you had to learn the contractors and it just became to build any scale yeah was a lot a lot of work and in my day job i just didn't have time for it either and so i found multifamily, and that's what attracted me to it so i started out as the same way i didn't have the time to be what we call a general partner or an active partner the person finding the properties putting the syndications together, mm-hmm. doing the, all the hard work. Um, and so I became a passive investor. Mm-hmm. I started taking my private funds and I, I went to large educational groups uh, where I met people putting together private placement memorandums. Uh, these are private offerings. They're not regulated by the SEC. Mm-hmm. So they're not, well, they are regulated, but they're not regulated like a mutual fund is. And I taught myself through investing in them. And I asked myself, asked those partners that I invested in, Hey, can I sit in some of your calls? Can I, you get a monthly letter from them, and right. them but can I call you and ask questions? Can I go and, in your due diligence so, tour, et cetera, et cetera. Say more about what that model looks like, because I, I mean, th- we need to differentiate a little bit between, um, you know, owning a property outright, maybe a property manager, manage it manages it um and that's one way to invest in real estate the other is um the way you invest in a mutual fund you can invest in basically these this this class of assets where you're 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 investing your money in a private group who then goes and creates the deal buys the multifamily property and you get a return on your money um but your only involvement is here's my capital, right? Is, is that what you're talking about? Exactly. So that's called a private placement offering. Okay. Um, that's called a private placement offering. So I am this, I'm what's called a syndicator or a general partner. I go out and find a property, a multi-million dollar asset that, that we think is worthy of buying and we'd create a business case for it. And then we'd go out and ask investors to put in money to purchase this. So just like right. in any transaction, let's just say you got a, you know, something for a million dollars you want to buy, the bank's going to lend you 80%. You got to come up with a 20% down payment. Uh, I myself am not a multimillionaire, so I don't have that wealth yet to, to put that money in it myself. So I go out and I find investors, people that come alongside of me and say, hey, do you want to join this partnership as a limited partner? Right. In that example, I'm a general partner. Uh, they're a limited partner. We buy the asset together. They get returns. I get compensated as a general partner along with them when they do. And in the end, when we sell it, hopefully we're all very happy. As compared, mm-hmm. your your colleagues may be saying, well, why, why, why wouldn't I just go out and invest in a REIT, a mutual fund REIT uh, on Wall mm-hmm. Street that allows me to buy into these? Well, the answer to that is you can. There's there's nothing that prevents that. However, I would say your returns, you know, I've been in, I've been in one of those myself for over 12 years. And I'm not getting anywhere near the return as I'm getting in a private placement memorandum because, because their acquisitions are spread so diversely. Yeah. And they, they, they generally don't invest in multifamily. They invest in assets like um, retail, mm. uh, office space, uh, you know, big hundreds of millions of dollars of business. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to they're gonna invest a pool of, I don't ever know who's running my mutual fund. Yeah. Uh, as a limited partner, you know Randy or my colleagues, and you can call me. I always right. like that. I always say I can never call my mutual fund money no. manager. 
but you can call uh, whoever the general partner is. What's an attractive return to you? To you, because you know, there's the again, kind of like the um, the mutual fund numbers or the Dave Ramseys of the world that use the ten or twelve percent you know, uh, yeah. number, some say it's more like 8% and that might be over what 30 some years, um, with, with real estate. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we, well, yeah, what's a, what's a number that, that is enticing to you or even like a benchmark for what you, you look for. So I can only speak from my private experience and there's a, yeah. there's a many different, um, general partners or, uh, syndicators such as myself out there. But for me, when I tell people, if I can find a property that we can buy together, and I can return to you six, someplace between six and 8% a year, cash on cash. Every year you get six to 8%. And um, I can return to you a, a 175 to 19 equity multiplier in five years. So that means if I if you give me a buck, uh, I'm going to return a dollar and 70 cents to you. You're going to get your initial dollar back. Yeah. So you're going to get a dollar and 70 cents on top of that. Yeah. And so. That makes sense. Uh, so it can be very profitable. Yeah. So, and I asked people, I said, if, if that's something that you would interested in, would you, would you consider it? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really all the only ask I have on people when I right. talk. And for my personal experience, John, I can tell you that. <clears throat> so I've been doing this since 2014. I've been full cycle on about 12, 15 properties. I don't know exactly. I'd have to go back and count them. Mm -hmm. My personal rate of return has been 175%. Mm -hmm. on the that's an average. That's an average. So that mm -hmm. means that I have gotten, for every dollar I've invested, I've gotten $2.70 back. Yeah. I'd take that return all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's pretty outstanding. <laughs> and, and and so it just depends if they want to be, if you want to be like yourself, and you want to go after it and, and do it yourself, that's great. I mean, you can, you can do it as well. But I would suggest to, in the multifamily space, it, Airbnb is a great space too. That's very profitable. Um, if you get a good property manager right. and you want to do all the legwork you did. Mm -hmm. But one of the, one of the you know, advantages of passive investing is, is you know, do what you do best and let somebody else do what they do. <clears throat> yeah, ex exactly. I mean, so part of what, this looks like, I mean, th this piece is even more passive than going out and getting your own property and then handing it off to a property manager. You're basically saying, um, let's say I've got $10,000 to invest. I want to invest it in real estate with a group like yours. I bring that money to you all and you are pooling, pooling together a down payment for a multifamily you know, uh, a property. Basically, everyone can get in and is going to get a return on that initial investment. And part of the appeal is that real estate is an attractive asset class that is stable, has a tremendous, you know, um, history of um, uh, of stability that for, for some, you know, is more attractive than the stock market, um, is more resilient potentially in times of recession, things like that. I mean, that, I'm well, not, why, you know, I, yeah. I got I to, first of all, John, you're, you're doing my job for me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I talk to folks like you and I, and I also talk to folks on the other side, you know, and again, I'm, I'm not a financial advisor by any means. I'm just trying to learn here and learn from my own experience. And so people that sell mutual funds are going to say mutual funds are the best asset class. People that 
you know, invest in real estate or even sell, you know, these REITs uh, or it's basically like a mutual fund for real estate are going to say this is the best, best asset class. Um, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, you're absolutely right. So I always say, you know, well, when it, you know, use your world. Am I going to go to a, am I going to go to a heart surgeon for a otolaryngology issue? Right. Um, am I going to go to a general medicine for a, a pediatric? Well, that's a bad example for a surgery issue. Well, no. So there's, there are people that you're right. You're absolutely right. If you go to a stocks and bonds guy, what are they going to sell you? Stocks and bonds. Yeah. Uh, and I, I admit my bias is, is real estate, but the thing about real estate, as you said, is, I mean, it's, it's got several things. One, and I'm differentiating commercial real estate and there's four different categories. There's multifamily, there's office space, there's retail and industrial. And so I have really specialized in multifamily, right? One of those four classes. And why have I yeah. done that for me? Because everybody needs a place to live. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing for me. And everybody needs a place to live. We found they don't always need an office in right. COVID. No kidding. Uh, oh my gosh. I mean, and we so many landlords we, I've talked to over, over COVID who's, who are still trying to find tenants to come back and rent their offices. And some of them are still scrambling. I, I myself got a heck of a deal during COVID on an office that I yeah. I needed a place to work outside of my house, even though it was you know um, still virtual. But um, yeah, you know, my landlord was, was, was squirming a little bit. And retail is the same way. That's an ever changing right. landscape. Yeah. Um, with, so you really got, in my mind, two asset classes left. You got multifamily and industrial and I, I don't know anything about industrial, so I can't recommend it. Uh, other than I know it's, it's, it's faring well right now. So, uh, you know, and, and multifamily or commercial real estate, you have positive cash flow, you have favorable tax treatment get to use the advantage of leverage. It is an inflation inflation hedge. Yeah. Um, there's just many reasons. And I'm not suggesting your audience, you don't have to come to me, but I'm suggesting that your audience consider this asset class is all I'm considering That's as great. they move into uh, diversifying their portfolio. Yeah. Uh, because whether they're just starting their counseling careers today or, or they're 30 years into it, uh, their income is gonna change. And as they grow, they want to be putting it in asset, diverse asset, asset mm -hmm. classifications. Mm -hmm. So there's, yeah. there's just uh, the traditional, and I have a financial advisor mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I, I, you know, I'm gearing away from him because I'm, I'm putting more and more of my money where my mouth is. I have about 35% yeah. of my net worth today in commercial real estate. Yeah. You know, I have a, a very good friend of mine and he's got a hundred percent in his, he, uh, he, um, I'll tell you his story in a, in a snapshot. He is in the multifamily space. Um, he and his brother are in um, Dayton, Ohio, um, a place that actually is seeing a lot of ec economic growth. Um, and, you know, he started by buying multifamily properties that he and his brother could, could, could get their hands on. And now is um, I think somewhere around a hundred properties um, and, and they are some single family, some multifamily, but basically have gone through, um, gotten to the stage where, yeah, they're kind of taking on investors and, and getting people that, that great cash on cash return. They will essentially, um, they will pull together as much money as they can. They'll buy a property and then they will refinance a bunch of properties. And then by doing that, they can, um, they will repay your initial investment 
plus your return at the end of a year in a balloon payment is what they call it. And again, I'm really, this is not like my strong suit or something I know a ton about. And I think for a lot of our listeners too, this is all very new to them as to if I give someone my money, what are they doing with it? Right? How are they going and investing in it? And why do they need my money? So I think you're helping to shed light on that as to what, you know, what goes on with the actual deal once the, once I decide I'm investing my hard-earned money. Yeah, it's it's very simply similar to what you do with an Airbnb or buying a primary residence. The bank is the first, the, the primary owner of the asset. Right. Uh, but the syndication or the group of partners comes together to put the down payment together. And so your percentage of ownership, um, you know, is based upon what uh, the money you put in to the down payment, the percentage to the down payment, and you own that percentage in the LP. And so the LP, the other beautiful thing, as I have some, I have some risk as a general partner, mm-hmm. um, but the, so in the, the LP is part- a limited partnership. I'm sorry. Okay. So, yeah. The LP is a limited partner. I gotta mm-hmm. remember to use the uh, stop using the acronyms. But the limited partner has just that. There's no, there's no liability. Right. The only thing you're going to lose in the worst case is um, your investment. Myself or, or the general partners can lose a lot. Yeah. Um, but as a limited partner, you lose nothing. And that's the other advantage. That's interesting. That's very, I mean, let's dig into that a little bit more because I, I think that makes another point for investing in a group like yours or with a group like yours who's has that experience, who is essentially taking on the heavy load of the risk and even that liability of something happens happens with the building, the deal falls through, the market collapses, uh, you have tenants that sue you, whatever happens, um, that you're you're kind of shouldering the the majority of that risk, right? So limited partner and LP is uh, um, protected to an extent. Their biggest risk is they lose their investment, which is very tragic. a very high possibility. It's tragic and it's a real possibility in the stock market, right? I've seen it in the past you know a few years, lost lost lots of money. Um, or at least, you know, lost in value. It's not really lost till you sell it. But um, yeah, yeah my, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. right. Yeah, you're, you're, you're all over it. I mean, the limited partner has their investment risk. And that's and, and so I've never lost any money on real estate yet. Uh, thank goodness, knock on wood. Yeah. I said 165, 175% return. I forget what I said. Um, mm-hmm. That's with a zero in there too. Yeah. And on those 12 or 15 properties, there was a, one that returned zero. We didn't lose money, but uh, we didn't make any money. And the, and the property, long story, had, I mean, it's a business, so it had a lot mm-hmm. of bad things happen to it, but we didn't lose any yeah. money. Um, and and the, the general partner, though, um, can lose money. They're the ones and why they get compensated differently is yeah. we're the ones out finding the property, right. putting earnest money up front, uh, at-risk capital for the loan, for all the attorney fees and Yep. Many times hundreds of thousands of dollars that yep. if we don't close the deal is lost. Totally. Is our personal liability. Total. So totally. And that that's part of what your your the service, so to speak, that you're paying for and in investing in this type of passive real estate model. Passive. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I think your audience is is um great because I'm in the medical profession, so I deal with a medical uh practitioners all the time. And I just see, I just see, you know, I have one friend that's a cardiologist today and he's just busier than busy and he's well-established in his career and he's, mm. he's making tons of money and he, you know, he just doesn't want the headache, 
and he's yeah, got a lot of people he's don't. got he's got stocks and bonds and other things but uh this is just very attractive to him as a diversification strategy if nothing else yeah and then i got the other end of the spectrum of of investors who are just getting started and said gosh randy how can you know how can i get in this for a thousand bucks uh well i probably can't get in it for a thousand bucks yet but you know yeah pull your money together with a couple of people and do it there there's that's the way right. i first got started i was so risk adverse that i didn't want to put all my money in so i partnered with another guy and we formed an llc to invest uh in an yeah. llc it's one way to do it right and you know i've i've had some other types of business partnerships myself and um if it goes well it can go well and be a great thing if it goes sour or if the relationship sours it can be uh, a really gnarly situation you know when you've got money tied up and you own an asset together right and you know i i yeah it can it can kind of go either way i suppose well you know you, you hit on another great point there john so your audience needs to know before you ever invest in a private placement offering you really need to um get to know the general partners or what they're called sponsors synonymous yeah. terms the sponsor yeah. with the general partners you really need to get to know them yeah before you invest with them yeah so you know you want to invest with somebody you know like and trust so if somebody's it's the same way as, as, as a counselor right you mm -hmm. want to i want to go to a counselor that i've got a relationship with and that i like yeah and those are the most effective relationships both ways for right. the person receiving the counseling and the counselor right um after you get to know them and so that may take time and may take a little bit of time you know you can do that um get on the get on their investor news list and just track them and stay close to them for yeah. a while um yeah. call and them. and look at the performance of previous projects right they should have those numbers readily available and you know i am um, i'm on the email list of a former there's a guy i was in a mastermind group with and he's been doing real estate for you know 40 plus years and he has a similar group as yours where they do these these private in investments and they uh, fund it with an investor money up front and um he, he's someone i inherently trust and also part of that trust is him showing you the risk in this deal right or this risk in this this asset class now again he believes that it's a lot less risky than the stock market it's a lot more predictable and that's why he likes it he also you know i remember when he first started telling me about it he said um i like to have something that i can look at i can touch and say that is mine and that's part of where my money is right and then on the other hand his his take again i'm not a financial advisor is there's so many people and uh, uh variables or you know influences that are changing the stock market all the time even some of these crazy like the GameStop stock uh, you know sure. fiasco last year or year and a half is a good example of that of how easily that market can be manipulated and so that was his take as to you know a an asset class that he really believes in he understands it inherently too and knows that there are still yeah. risks there's still factors that affect you know um the, the the kind of supply and demand of a particular market and there's a possibility they could build a you know 200 apartment building unit and then the occupancy is only 40 percent or whatever it is right now that hasn't happened to him he's also in austin texas of all places it has that been helps. there <laughs> that helps a lot, that helps an awful lot. he's been there for 40 years and now he's crushing it right with it yeah, with, again is. simple supply and demand of you know having these multifamily buildings and now you get crazy economic growth and companies like tesla move there and all of a sudden you have way more growth than you ever anticipated so well how long have you known him though 
I mean, you just proved my point again that you yeah for five at least five six years. I'm into this, and I've seen other people invest with him and whatnot. So, and so you know, it's it there. There, you just prove the point that you you track the guy, you talk to him, yeah. you got to know him. And I don't, I'm not going to ask you if you invested or if you're not, but yeah. the point of it is, is you got to know him first, and you yeah. uh, spent time with him or in his uh, organization and tried to learn. Uh, what you could from me, you know, and I've, I've done that more than once. I've sent people other ways uh, totally. for investments. And I said, I, I don't have anything right now, but go talk to Susie or Bob or look at this asset class. Right. That's great. Sure. I mean, I, I think a story that a lot of people have or I've heard is, you know, anyone in the financial sector who over promises and under delivers, right. Or says, Oh yeah, we get 15% return, whatever it's going to be. And then it doesn't happen. And so I think, that honesty, that transparency, same thing again in therapy. We don't promise results, right? It's like we we're, we are licensed, we are experts, we're good at what we do. And, you know, we have to be clear about setting expectations with our clients as to what we do. And again, with investing, I think that transparency really helps and it builds trust on top of, I think if I was working with someone like you, I also want you to take the time to teach me a bit as to how this all works and what these acronyms stand for, right? And what you're actually doing with with my money because again for a lot of therapists listening right now and they're, they're going to listen to the audio t tomorrow from this is um there there's fear in getting ripped off losing money feeling like an idiot and then what can happen is people regress and they say well real estate's too risky it didn't work uh i don't belong here and i i just think real estate can be kind of for everyone and i think when I look at the wealthy, you know, I was sitting at a party the other day and I was talking to, to someone, um, it's like a family friend, and I know they're very, very wealthy. They live in California. A lot of people are wealthy where I live, but, and I, you know, I knew their wealth had a lot to do with real estate. You know, they've got 12, 15 properties, some short-term rentals, some long-term rentals, and a diverse group of, you know, investments, a diverse portfolio of investments in different parts of California, okay. some of the East Coast, some in the desert, whatever. And um, there, there's there's a little bit of that like, whoa, how do I get in like that, right? How do I access, you know, that type of growth or wealth or knowledge or mentorship of someone saying, this is how I did it. Or at least, again, in my case, this is how I got started. Because you know, for me, buying that first short-term rental was a tremendous, you know, challenge. And there was a lot of fear. And I did, I even hired a consultant. I paid a consultant to help me find a market, look at deals, go see them, Good for get you. the financing together. And it was a lot of money, but it was worth it to have that, that guidance, you know, in doing it. But again, I think there is a bit of a, a wall there in, in terms of just getting in. Well, I think you hit it on the head and I'm, I'm really glad to hear you say that because I mean, your audience, your audience though is a very intelligent audience. Uh, they're not um, the average performers. Uh, they're all above average from their, their, mm. um, academic careers and their professional careers. So mm -hmm. uh, this is not something though um, that they can't understand and get their head around. It, yeah. it is a matter of a little bit of education, um, uh, of educating yourself and building that relationship that I talked about right. with with a um, general partner or sponsor. And uh, look, I, I tell people, I was a C student in college. So if I can do this, anybody can do this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, it's, it's, it's just simply, and your audience should be concerned about being taken. So that's why they should ask a lot of questions. Yeah. And I'm sure with the, the caliber of people on this, on this uh, podcast that they can do that.
And well, if they I, want to know, yeah. I can give them a checklist of questions to ask. <laughs> totally, totally. And I think that I'm really big on, you know, first principles, meaning what are the, the basic ideas about business? And one basic idea is like supply and demand. Um, another idea is, is just risk analysis, right? And looking at threats and opportunities to our business. So again, as a therapist, the threat is that you're, you are probably not making money unless you're seeing a client and you are human and things happen. And, um, you get sick and you get in a car accident or what, whatever it is, there's always that threat. And I really always hated that feeling when I was a solo practitioner starting out. Um, sure. You know, I have, I have two businesses now, um, well, three if you count the real estate business, which is a separate you know, LLC and all that stuff, treat it like a separate business. But even within this business, I want to diversify my income stream. So I make money from this podcast. I make money from coaching, from courses, from affiliate marketing, whatever it is. And again, when the tides get tough, which they do, um, there's that diversity that that kind of pads against the inherent level of risk in business. And again, for I think the other piece is for for therapists, um, you have to you could be generating a bunch of revenue in your business. If you're not profiting a healthy amount, then you're not gaining wealth. And then if you're not taking that money you make from your business and making it grow, right, um, then you never are gaining personal wealth. I see it all the time. A group practice center comes to me and says, well, my, you know, my, my gross revenue is over a million a year, right? But I'm up to my years in debt. My net profit is only 20K a year. Right. I owe a bunch of money. Like it's just, it's crazy. They're on the hamster wheel. A hundred percent. They're on the hamster wheel. Um, or I, people that are, you know, they're, they're like at the end of their therapy career and they still have nothing safe for retirement. It just, it absolutely horrifies really me. Yeah. That's really sad. But that hamster wheel is, I mean, it's, it, it may be more common to your industry because they have, you know, well above average wages. Uh, but it's so common in, in most places. And, you know, it's, it's, I heard it said some time ago, John, that somebody, you know, the average person spends more time planning their summer vacation than they do, they do their lifetime finances. Yeah. And, and yeah. if you think about that, uh, you probably got somebody in mind that you can relate to uh, who that might be. For me, yeah. it's a, it's an older brother who uh, uh, just very different than, than my mindset, but you know, it's, it's, this is doable. And, um, I just want to really encourage your audience to to take a look at it and and consider it because yeah. at the end of the day you want to have those multiple income streams just as you said yeah maybe real estate is only five percent or I don't know ten percent whatever uh, for you but yeah. I'd say there's there's more people that and all due respect there's more people that have gained personal wealth from real estate than there probably has counseling I would uh, say so hundred percent I, I don't know for I don't know yeah. I'm getting statistics to back that up but well, there's more, I, there's more people out there doing it real estate wise than there are counseling. Totally. And it, it, again, just anecdotally sitting at this party in the Bay Area the other weekend, just knowing the wealthiest people in the room, they got there in part from real estate. Um, and again, like even the tax benefits alone of looking at their story, which they, it was a huge stretch for them to originally buy that first single family home that they then traded up to a duplex that they then traded up to you know, a, a four unit or whatever it's going to be. Um, that's how they started. They started with 10 grand. And at the time that was an insane amount of money to them. So I, I just, I hear that story a lot, to be honest. And um, you, you know, that, that at some point it becomes more and more passive, the bigger you have a you know, portfolio that's giving you returns or you have, if you are managing, 
you know, you have your own properties, you have good property managers in place and whatnot, and maybe some combination of having your own properties and investing in mutual funds and investing in groups like yours, yeah. where again, your, your level of involvement differs a little bit based on those, those different asset classes. And the other thing I would say is that you're, you know, again, I, I applaud you, but I think you're kind of atypical in that you really went after it and you, you understand the market because you hired a consultant who taught you yeah. uh, the biz along the way. And um, yeah. so the other way to do that is invest with somebody and let them teach you along the way for free and then branch right. out on your own when, when you feel comfortable doing it. Because again, it's not hard to learn it, the concepts and stuff, but it is work. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we only have 24 hours in the day. Yeah. And I want to make sure your team is doing it, uh, providing the services to those who need it the most. Yeah. I, I would say that I'm, I am atypical in a, in a regard in that I'm, yeah, highly entrepreneurial and I'm, I've taken a number of risks in business, both in the, these businesses and now in the, the real estate piece that, have paid off, but we're scary as hell. And I knew, and I ran the worst case scenario. And if you can shake hands with that and say, I do this, and then the value of the property drops 30% and the occupancy is crap and I'm losing money every month, can I afford that? And can I stomach that reality? And if I can, I usually move forward with, with the deal or the opportunity, right? Because that's one way that I evaluate risk. And then I look at the upside, right? Which is that I, I buy the property, occupancy is more than I expected, it goes up 30% in the first few years, which it already has. Um, and, and the reality is like the, 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 the outcome is probably going to be somewhere in the middle, you know, of, yeah. of those, those highs and lows. True. But if you can kind of run those best and worst case scenarios and shake hands with the worst case scenario, I think you, you could, you could try getting into real estate. And if you buy one property, it's not for you. Um, you can look at selling and getting out of that, that investment or handing it off to a property investor, but, um, or property manager, but, there's another yeah. case there for multifamily though, that you just brought up and you didn't even sure. need to. So it's the reason I, I switched from single family to, to uh, multifamily was not just only the ability to scale up and do more of it, but also, you know, when I got one rental house and it's empty, I got a hundred percent vacancy. Uh, yeah. when, I, when I got a hundred units and only ones and one vacancy, I got 1% vacancy. Right? Totally. Totally. So it's economies of scale. It's a very, I mean, it's a very simple, yeah. it's just economies of scale. And that's another reason why multifamily is so attractive. I'm very interested in the multifamily piece too, because what I, a part of what I learned is in, in buying this first property is um, again, the amount of labor that goes into making the deal happen, or I should back up finding a market, evaluating that market, looking for deals, giving offers, Right. And then actually getting an offer accepted or whatever, all those things happen, like working on the financing piece, getting the loan approved. It's a tremendous amount of work. And you can do that same amount of work for a single family home that's like what you guys call one door, right? You could do that same amount of work for a duplex that's two doors or a fourplex, whatever you guys call them. And so I think because there's so much labor that goes into making the deal happen, it makes a lot of sense to go for more than one door again, as you, as you guys call it. And, and you, 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 you said it well for me. Uh, it's just, that's what a general partner does or a syndicator. That's what they go yeah. out and find the property and they yeah. do all that work up front and, and just ask the passive or the LP investors to come alongside them. Yeah. That's great stuff. Um, 
so Randy, we're, we're running out of time here. Um, I, I want to thank you for being here. It's been really informative, very interesting. And um, yeah, there's like 15 people in the room right now who I think are quite interested and in just, just learning. And I would say my advice for our, our listeners is allow yourself to learn. And if you feel overwhelmed or if you feel stupid, even when you're listening to this stuff, try to allow yourself to be a beginner at this the same way you were a beginner at therapy at one time and now you're an expert. Um, I, I don't think Randy became an expert overnight or, you know, I think learned a lot through doing and trying and probably having some bumps, you know, along the way. So some, some lows along the way. So I think that's where we, we learn. And then again, you learn with partnering with people who've been there and who can take that mentorship kind of role with you. And I think, you know, Randy's an interesting example of that. All right. Right in the, the, the big moment of, of Randy's plug, I think his, his internet is doing its own thing again it's um the old texas slowdown um well let me just plug randy for you then while he uh, <laughs> tries to find a way find his way back to the interview which uh he might be done at this point um so again folks thanks for your patience with this uh these connectivity issues it's becoming a little hilarious now um that's that was randy langendurfer from invest arc properties we'll have we'll have uh, links and everything in the description as always um that's invest-arc.com a-r-k invest-arc.com again we'll put a link to that in the description um let me know in the comments if you're here right now if this was helpful maybe just or how helpful was it scale from zero to ten if it was really helpful put ten in the chat if it was somewhere in the middle put five if you hated it don't tell me because It'll hurt my feelings and I'll spend the rest of the day ruminating about it. Let me know in the chat. Um, I find this stuff really, really interesting. Um, I, I, I do. I think it's I think we need a lot more help with this stuff as as therapists. I think there's just so much more we can learn. And um uh yeah, I'm I'm hoping we can dive more and more into this as we kind of go along with this show. There's a good bit of interest in this financial piece among our audience, and I think uh bring in people like Randy is an interesting way to, uh, for us to learn more about, about this stuff and really look at if you're using your, your, your therapy practice to grow your income, how to use your income to grow your personal wealth. So, uh, Randy, if you're, you're back, um, just let people know again, how they can reach out to you and, and get started to, to start conversation about working with you guys real quick before the internet goes down again uh, yeah yeah hyphen arc.com is my webpage. you'll learn a whole lot about my firm and myself there cool. there's a contact me page on there also available linkedin uh facebook and uh just love to talk to you and put you on my news list and to stay in touch if nothing else and would love to chat with you and answer any of your questions very cool. Yeah. And again, we'll put links to everything in the description. So um, thanks again, Randy, for being here. And for our listeners, um, we will see you again soon. Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at uh, Thursday, 1 p.m. Pacific. I'm going to be doing a live website um, reviews, website audits, looking at your marketing and um, critiquing some people's home pages. So if you're interested in that, definitely be here live. Um, uh, next Thursday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern, and I look forward to it. So, uh, Randy, thanks again for being here, and um, uh, everyone have a great week. Thanks, John. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye bye.